This is the Trivium Dad Podcast. My name is Nick, and welcome. Dearest listeners, I'm here to ask for your support, not your financial support. It would be great if you could donate. It would help support the Trivium Dad podcast and Upward Enrichment Service. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, then leave a review because it will help other people find the show. And two, tell a friend about the show. Or better yet, tell a whole bunch of friends. Thank you. This program may contain strong languages and topics that might not be suitable for all listeners. If you want to continue, please. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I left off, I guess, with, you know, I'm becoming more and more aware of how the way I was living and his actions, like, created who I am today. um, I will say, like, just to throw in kind of what we were talking about before with, like, not being able to decide, you know, what I wore and how I did my hair. Like once um, I moved to public school from that private school, uh, I moved to public school in the seventh grade and that was major culture shock. And I can actually I not- relate with you on that. <laughs> what are you? Really? Cause I have a similar background. I went to Catholic school uh, from, <laughs> from kindergarten to sixth grade. And then my okay. parents couldn't afford it anymore. So when, uh-huh. when I entered, actually, my apologies, it was from kindergarten to eighth grade, but they couldn't afford okay. to send me to uh, private uh, Catholic school, high school, that is. So I had uh-huh. to transition and to learn because there, it was a total culture shock for me as well. But I'm going to let you share your experience. Oh, my gosh. Well, OK, I'm sure that it would have still been a major, major culture shock, even if I was allowed to express myself more. Um, But I think the fact that I really wasn't allowed to express myself all that much, it just made it even worse. Um, Because, you know, I was still like this well-behaved child, like this ideal kid, in my opinion. (laughs) I mean, I really was like, I wanted to please adults. Um, I, you know, I grew up around them, so that was, like, my people. Uh, so it was just, like, golly, like, these kids. And I can't imagine some of the structure that these guys were coming from. Like, uh, the town I come from, like, a lot of the demographic is, like, low income, um, like, lower to middle class, if that makes any sense. Yeah, uh, similar so, thing where I, I was living at, same thing. All right, I got you. So, you know, it's kind of like maybe I didn't have it the worst, but it also seemed to me like, wow, these kids can do whatever they want. I think with me, it was was more, it was a lot more people. I think that's what caught me off guard. Like, it was like you, when you're, I guess my Catholic school experience, like it was a smaller class size and the same kids Mm -hmm. you saw every year. So you just knew. Yeah. You just knew everything about them and seeing all all these different and everybody was so different. Like, you know, that's what I remember. Yes. And yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from, because 
the group of five kids that I graduated fifth grade from. Like, I was with those guys since kindergarten. So, I mean, we literally, yeah, we knew so much about each other. And like you mentioned, like, everyone was still their own individual person, but we just knew everything about all of them. And so, yeah, so I was definitely, like, a target in middle school. Um, I was that kid who would, like, give the answers on all the papers because I knew the answers and like I don't know I would be that kid to like bring you a snack or something um I don't know just kind of like the one that everyone took advantage of in a way like I thought I was making friends but I really wasn't (laughs) and I think with me too it was like in eighth grade I think what they were teaching in ninth grade I already learned in eighth grade so it was always like you know what what am I doing here yeah, yeah. It was like that. Like I was at at least one or two years advanced, you know, and I it finally all caught up with me by like my freshman or sophomore year. And then I was right back with the rest of them. But it was, you know, the first year or two that I was there, I was like, oh, this, you know, this is cake. Like, <laughs> I can do this. Uh, but yeah. And then in my home life, yeah, living with my stepdad at the time, um, Another thing about him, I could only, and I say this like he forced me to not like hang out with people, but without getting in trouble or yelled at for no reason, I could only hang out with like a certain like set of friends, you know? Mm -hmm. So you were pretty limited in everything that you did. (laughs) Yes, literally. (laughs) And that could... Yeah, and that could, you know, shape your perspective because you're not introduced to different people and to different thoughts and ideals. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. And um, so eventually, like, I began, um, I guess, I don't want to say dating, but like, you know, in middle school, how they have like, oh, this is my boyfriend. You know, this is my girlfriend. type of thing. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. Yeah, that's when you start um, to yeah start to think about stuff yeah. like that. That's when your your thoughts and your body and how you feel starts to it all starts to shift. Yeah. yeah. Um. So when I was about, geez, this is so young. Like thinking back, but God, like thirteen or fourteen. Um. You know, I, I started dating. I say that I I use that term very loosely. Um. <laughs> But, like, at the time, I had a Hispanic boyfriend um, when I was 14 years old. And I met him at my church. Um, like, we hung out and everything. Like, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I have this boyfriend, you know. And, you know, of course, like, my mom's as supportive as possible of a 14-year-old relationship. Like, what else are you going to do? Um, but he was just so oppressed about me dating a Hispanic guy like he was just like no I don't want you to you know but of course it was a lot uglier words than that but I mean just very rude about it and I was of course like 14 year old me was like you know I'm not gonna break up with him so I would just talk to him secretly um at this point my mom would actually like lie to her husband and tell him like I was going to go help out at church or something like doing a little community project or something or go to like a class or something and like take me and let me go hang out with him. Um, yeah, wild. Uh, so basically at this point when I had turned like 
14, 13, 14, um, sneaking behind my stepdad's back to like actually enjoy something that I found happiness in. Oh, yeah. So that's when things like really started to go downhill. Um, so when I was 14 and in, God, what would that be like freshman year? Um, yeah. Yeah. So when I was 14 in ninth grade, um, I had this boyfriend, he lived in the neighboring town. Um, so we only saw each other like on weekends and then on Wednesday nights, we went to like uh, a church class together. Um, because that was like part of our religious education since we weren't in private school. Um, so, uh, I would see him like twice a week. And anyway, one day in middle school or no ninth grade, um, I actually had, and this had nothing to do with like my boyfriend at the time or anything. Like I actually got like a blackout rage at school. Um, like angry. Um, I got mad. I actually like flipped a few desks and was just like yelling and like cursing and saying all this stuff and like saying that I was going to hurt people and stuff like that and it was like a minor thing that set me off it was because I couldn't go on some kind of trip or something like that like I wasn't chosen to go on some kind of little trip and I just like what's out and my teacher was just kind of staring at me from across the room and she was like um go see the counselor right now <laughs> and I was like uh what okay, if you want, like, if you really think I need that, whatever, I don't need that. And she was like, yeah, you need to go. And so right there was when I started getting into counseling and therapy. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like you were internalizing everything that was happening to you? And you just probably, you know, you just didn't have, you just reached your tolerance. You just couldn't take anything anymore. Yeah. I mean, pro looking back, probably because school was my happy place. Like, you know, where I could like, of course, you know, I was like sneakily uh, expressing myself by this point. Like I would literally bring like changes of clothes and stuff in my backpack and like change at school and everything. Um, And like fix my hair a certain way when I got to school. And then like before I went home, like put it back to whatever it was and stuff. Um, So I was like living almost a double life, it felt like. Like, I don't know. I was becoming a very good, like, liar, if that makes any sense. Yeah. A lot of kids um, I knew, though, I don't know if that was normal, but, you know, a lot of people would, you know, have clothes in their backpacks and would change in high school because they, their parents might have been too strict. So. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. Like, I wasn't the only one. So, I mean, I felt I was beginning to feel a little bit more normal. And, and I actually know, or I knew a girl who, like, would put three or four shirts in, the, in her backpack and, like, change literally three or four times a day. <laughs> yeah, I used to see that a lot in school. I think that was more, I think more of the girls used to do that because, you know, you did, the parents didn't want them wearing makeup or, you know, I guess more like fashion wise, they, they wanted their kids to be conservative, but the the kids, you know, they wanted to just dress in whatever the style was at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, um, so, okay. And my mom actually worked at the school, like at the public school I went to. Um, so she knew what I was doing. She knew she would see me and like, she was okay with it. She was like, go, you know, go do you and you know she would just like watch it happen and you know I never like brought it up to her my mom is a very like passive person if that makes any sense she's not um 
confrontational. She's very quiet, like definitely the best mom ever, but just very like timid. Um, doesn't want to have an argument, like, you know, kind of lets Sometimes she's guilty of letting people run over her, but I will tell you she's gotten a lot more assertive in the last few years. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she would just kind of let me do my thing. Um, she was very good about like not ratting me out when we got home. <laughs> so yeah, props to her on that. Um, so beginning my journey in therapy. Oh, and I do want to touch on some uh, one other thing real quick. Um, Go ahead. So what I was talking about with the, remember, like, tying up their shirts and everything? Um, yeah. So for that recital that I was going to, um, I ended up, once we arrived there, I tied up my shirt there and then, like, did the recital because he didn't uh, show up to any of my stuff. Um, anyway, so my mom has like filmed it. And then weeks later, weeks later, my mom and I were watching the film on our computer and he walked up and then I was like, oh, crap. And he was like, what are y'all watching? And I said, nothing, nothing. Like, we're not watching anything. Because I knew he was going to see me on the video and, like, see me with my shirt tied up. And he was like, no, let me see, let me see. So I finally, like, let him see. And lo and behold, he got so mad that my shirt was tied up like that. Like, so mad that I had lied to him. Like, that was a big thing for him was, like, me lying. Everything was a lie. And, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that happened. And... I just wanted to let you know that I got found out. <laughs> and, um, yeah. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, okay. So finally at the age of 13, 14, it had to have been 13, 14. Shoot. I don't know. Um, 14. I guess it would have been like when I very first turned 14 at the beginning of the school year. Um, I started going to our school counselor, a uh, social worker. Um, and like we began talking and we began talking about everything. It's like she was so good. And of course, I still wasn't exactly bringing up what was happening at home because I still really did not know that what was going on was not normal and, or yeah, was not normal and not okay. Um, so it actually took me a few sessions to even like mention that there was stuff happening at home. Um, but once like it got brought up, something like clicked for both me and my therapist. And she was just like, tell me more about this, you know, asking me like pertinent questions about it, finding out more about what was going on. And she helped me solve a lot of problems with that. So props to her on that for even getting me to open up about it. Yeah, therapy is definitely important, especially if you find the right person that can empathize and, you know, help you see that what you probably thought is normal is abnormal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another thing that I thought like was normal that I didn't realize wasn't normal. And I believe this was even after we left because I didn't even bring this up in therapy was like the fact that in my house, so my mom's uh, husband at the time, my stepdad at the time, he had this like no closed doors policy. Um, like in my bedroom and everything, I wasn't allowed to keep that door closed for any period of time. Um, that, the would, bathroom that door, would drive me crazy. Like, <laughs> yes, now yes. or even as a kid, like I need my privacy. Yes, yes, and like for you know a teenager, like to me that just makes sense. Um, I wasn't allowed to keep the bathroom door locked. So like 
if he would even walk by and then I get like, I don't, how else would he figure it out that I had the door locked? So he had to have been trying the door, you know? So if he even like walked by and like found out the door was locked, he would get mad. And it's just like, what? Um, he would even like, if I was like taking a bath or a shower or something, he would even like go into the bathroom when I was in there and like use the restroom and everything. And I did not know at the time, I did not know that that was not okay. Like I really did not know. And I didn't know until years later that that was not okay. That that was not normal. I mean, that's not normal um, at all. I mean, it doesn't matter if that's your biological kid or not. You don't do that. So I don't know what was going on with it in his mind. Yeah. And I am so glad that like nothing ever happened to me. You know, nothing worse than that necessarily ever happened to me. Um, Because it could have gone like so much farther downhill so quick, like already with these ridiculous rules. Um, <laughs> so um, going to therapy, like I mostly talked about like the emotional aspect. Um, and eventually, like after a few sessions, she told me, you know what, if you really want to fix this, you need to go to your mom and tell her that you cannot live like this anymore. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yeah. She said, either your mom's going to fix it or you can live with one of your siblings because I had brought that up. I had, you know, mentioned to her that that was an option that I'm sure my brother and my sister would allow me to stay with them. And um, I was reaching a breaking point uh, by the age of 14. And that was what I was going to have to do is just straight up tell my mom, like, hey, I am not going to be staying in this house, like, with or without you. Um, And that's exactly what I did one day. And I think that's a great segue because I know currently you're a correction officer and you you had experience in EMS. And how did you mm-hmm. gravitate to those jobs? Did that job, those jobs put additional stress or, you know, made you feel even, um, I'm trying to just figure out what makes sense. Like, did that, did that impact your mental health even in a positive way or in a negative way? Anything that comes to mind? Both. Um, so, okay. Before I even began EMS, I worked at, in elementary school, actually, um, for the same school district that I graduated from, I worked for that elementary school. And well, number one, like I, you know, I've been battling like actual clinical depression for, oh, I think I was diagnosed when I was 15. So after my mom and I left, which yes, we did leave. Thank goodness we did leave. Um, I did get officially diagnosed with depression. Um, I was not happy in that work environment and, you know, it was just a job at that point, but I became hyper aware of like observing the kids that I worked with. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, this kid is, you know, showing signs of like, you know, like kind of like things that I had when I was a kid. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, they're so socially awkward or, Oh, they're acting like this or, Oh, like they mentioned that their parents do this. Like, Oh my gosh, they must be being like mistreated at home. Like it was just, everything would send me into a panic over the kids. And um, my best friend, the one that I mentioned before that, you know, we finally like officially, officially reconnected again after my mom left her ex-husband um she actually talked me into going to ems 
because she was going to school for it. And she was like, you really need to try this. It's awesome. I think you'd love it. Um, I had always been kind of talking about going to the medical field. So I was like, you know what? That's a great way to get my foot in the door. And I'm doing it. Um, like I said, I never really had an official job um, as an EMT. But um, going to school for it, you do have like clinical rotations. So you actually do uh, the work. Um, you know, and of course, you're being like observed the whole time. Uh, but it, I definitely found that it was very easy for me to talk to people um, just because like by that time, I was just like, you know what? I don't really care what anybody has to say anything or has to say to me because I've been torn down by words so many times. Like nothing a stranger can say to me is going to affect me. Like it's not going to bother me. And of course, like that's a very like brutal field. Like people will just tell you exactly what they're thinking, um, good or bad. <laughs> so you just became but callous just, to everything around you, especially negativity. It didn't even phase you anymore. Yeah. So uh, it, just, it made it, it made it like nice. And once I started doing EMS, like I did, and I would always seek out who I thought, like when I was doing um, like emergency room rotations, for example, like you would literally spend all day in the emergency department. And once you have, you have a list of things that you need to do as far as, you know, for educational purposes and everything. But once you have that list done, like the rest of the day is yours as long as you stay there. <laughs> so I would always like seek out kind of the underdog patient and go back to them and just sit and talk with them. And I remember there was this one guy, <laughs> excuse me, and uh, the nurses like, and I said, Hey, like, can I go into this patient's room? And the nurses were like, Oh, if you want to, like, he's been a jerk all day and all this stuff. And, I was just like, okay, I'll go in there and see what this is all about. That guy and I sat and talked for three hours about, like, him watching deer in his backyard and him, like, filling up his bird feeder and watching the birds and how my parents, like, just built a house in the country and all this other stuff. Like, you know, I just, I always wanted to seek out, like, the person nobody else wanted to. I spent a few hours with uh, another lady in the ER. Um, she ended up giving me her phone number, which unfortunately I never called her because everybody said for me not to bring my work home. <laughs> but, um, gosh, she was the sweetest lady. She even like had me talk to her daughter on the phone and like tell her daughter about what was going on, um, with the patient and everything. And it was just like, you know, that, that one person that nobody else, you know, wanted to take the time for. That's who I wanted to be with. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so when my mom uh, finally divorced her ex-husband, um, which that divorce was awful, um, she started dating my current stepdad um, about like six months later, I'd say. Um, maybe less. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, she actually like wanted to try. And by this time, I was, oh gosh, I was 15. Um, by this time, like his advances, I took almost insultingly. Like I was like, you know, stay away from me. I don't want you around me. Um, you know, I hated him. Like I hated him for existing almost. And it's just like, finally, one day he announced to me and he was still dating my mom. Uh, he just announced to me, he was like, you and I are going on a car ride later. And I was like, okay, for what? You know, and he was like, you don't have to if you don't want to. 
but I would really appreciate it if you just go on a ride with me later. And I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll go because I, I, I did. I wanted to be there for my mom. Um, so I was just like, whatever. Uh, so him and I went on this car ride. And like I said, my mom and Kim had not been dating for only a few months. And he just like took the time to sit me down, you know, and this was the one place I guess I would listen was just crap in a vehicle with him. <laughs> but he was just like, look, look, kid, I know you don't like me that much, but I love your mom and I love you and I want to take care of y'all. And I know what y'all have been through. Your mom has told me about it. And like he said, I am so sorry that that happened, but I can assure you that I will never do anything like that to y'all. And, um, you know, of course, I kind of looked at him at the time and I was just like, you know, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. But, you know, I'm just still not like 100% comfortable. And he was like, that's okay. I don't expect you to be. And that was the first time that he, you know, talked to me one-on-one. And I'll always remember that, like to this day, uh, since then, him and my mom have gotten married and he literally treats me like, his own child um i truly adore him and he adores me but it took a long way to get to that point like when i was still in high school and everything and you know they were getting more and more serious with their relationship like it took a lot for him to gain my trust and he knew that and i knew that and um it was like a very almost scary thing because i was like not ready you know to just give this dude my trust and um he really worked for it he really did and that's something i'll always appreciate yeah that definitely took a lot of patience because from his perspective because you're not going to make yourself vulnerable to anybody yeah yeah and uh, that i don't know i he that to me that right there just really proves it like he's great i like literally i have um actually a tattoo dedicated to him like that's how strongly i feel towards him you know it took a long way but yeah we're at that point like we're so close and you're listening to the trivium dad podcast my name is nicholas jones and i'm speaking with grace grace thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today oh yes you're very welcome and you have a particular interest that and hobby and paranormal activity tell me about that oh my gosh um, I've been obsessed with like ghosts, spirits, anything that you can think of in that as far as that aspect goes since I was a small child. Like growing up, um, I would always get my mom to buy me uh like the the true ghost story books, um like haunted houses of, you know, whatever state or like haunted houses of Texas you know, haunted houses of Louisiana. Like I'd always want all those books. And um, I didn't want like the cheesy, like tall tale type stuff. I wanted like the real stuff. And then um, I would always watch like, like uh, ghost hunters or, oh gosh, what's that other show? Ghost adventures. Yeah. So I grew up, you know, just being very obsessed uh with stuff like that. And to this day, I'm still pretty obsessed with it. Like I love watching it like, Ghost Adventures is one of my favorite shows. Um, I love like reading or I, I listen to a lot of podcasts or watch a lot of podcasts on YouTube now. Um, you ever, and I just you, tell, like, you ever thought about starting one? 
I've never thought about starting one, but actually having the chance to be on one, I'm pretty like interested, but I don't know how to get my foot in the door. <laughs> but yeah, uh, let's see, like I actually have, I bought it, oh gosh, about a, I want to say a year ago, year and a half ago, um, what they call um, a ghost box. Have you ever heard of those? I have not, no. A spirit box, a spirit box. And what it is, is like, I have a very basic one. Um, It's not like any kind of like, not like an Ouija board type stuff, but it's one of those, uh, what it does is like it splits through the radio station. So whenever you're watching like a paranormal show or something and you hear like, oh, we'll bring out the spirit box. Um, It's the device that like scans, uh, rapidly scans the radio station and um, spirits allegedly are supposed to be able to like manipulate um, like the radio frequency somehow and be able to like speak through it. Yeah, I think I've seen that uh, on TV. Yeah, yeah, I think I know what you're yeah. talking about. So I do have one of those and I've tried it out a few times. <laughs> Actually, at my last house, I, we tried it out a couple times and got scared out of our minds. Which, I mean, I shouldn't say scared. That's not really the right word. But very surprised and shocked by, like, at least what we thought we heard. <laughs> uh, so. Do you do it because you think it's just cool and it's just something that, you know, like a hobby, everybody, you know, if you collect baseball cards or, you know, you want to fly a drone or anything, do you look at it that way? Or do you, are you actually, like, want to investigate and to, you know, figure out paranormal activities, like to study it? Um, if I could figure out the right path to go into serious investigation, I would actually love to do that. And, but for now, it's more of just a hobby. Um, I do, I have tried like taking it to like cemeteries and stuff like that with no result. And I was also by myself, so I, I'd never stayed there very long because I would like kind of get bored and, you know, leave. But um, my fiance and I actually went down to San Antonio oh, last summer uh, when COVID, like we were in the middle of a lockdown um, and we went to San Antonio, Texas last summer, and which is like... Do you know anything about, have you ever heard of San Antonio or anything like that? Yeah, definitely know San Antonio. I was just thinking when you said you brought it to a cemetery and it had no results, that would kind of make sense to me because what dead person would want to stay at a cemetery? They would want to find something more interesting to do. (laughs) That's fair. That is a fair statement. and I actually appreciate your outlook on that because that's extremely valid. I would look for where the action is and I don't think the action would yep. be, you know, laying, laying down dead in the cemetery. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we actually, so we took it to San Antonio last year and our little adventure, like it was our first vacation together. Um, and we were gonna, we were like, Oh, it's such a historical town. Like we're going to stay in like a super haunted hotel and like, you know, try to do like a spirit box, like see if, anything wants to come or any anyone i shouldn't say anything um anyone wants to come through and like speak to us so we stayed in, the first night we stayed in the minger hotel and the minger hotel is like um kind of like across from the alamo uh like to the side it's like so the street that goes like down the side of the alamo is like the cross across the street that way okay um 
Yeah. So <clears throat> we actually like from our window, we could see into like the yard of the Alamo, if that makes sense. Yeah. You just, you had like where your window was, you could just see it was like that close, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so we sit in that hotel is famous for like being uh, like Teddy Roosevelt, like has, been in that hotel like that's a famous spirit who frequents there supposedly is teddy roosevelt um him and a few others and i can't really remember all of them right now but we were like okay let's see like what goes on here so when we first got there and we were walking down the hall to our room like i'm already just in awe because the, the whole first floor is like a museum um and just seeing like the uh artifacts and stuff from like like the Battle of Alamo and like they had some stuff from even like the Civil War and all that type of stuff. Um, and that just like amazed me. Like I, I've always been kind of obsessed with like late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, like antiques too. So that was just something that really fascinated me with seeing all that. And um, <clears throat> we, reached, we reached the floor to our room and we were walking down the hall. And as we were passing, like, we were going down the hall. And then there was, like, an entrance to another corridor with, like, vending machines and stuff. So as we were passing that corridor, I felt a tap on my shoulder, like, clear as day. And kind of hard, too. Like, it almost hurt me. And I turned to my boyfriend. And I was like, you know, stop playing with me. What are you doing? And, you know, he was like, yeah. And he was like, what? I'm not doing anything. And I said, you literally just tapped me on the shoulder. Like, stop trying to, like, get me excited. You know, we're actually here to be serious. And he was like, this wasn't me. It wasn't me. And I was like, you know, if you say so. And to this day, he insists it wasn't him. And I'm kind of like, you know, oh, my gosh. Like, I hope I hope it was real. I was like, I hope that was I felt something. Uh, I would be I would be petrified at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like when you say in all of that, I, I'm not going to lie. I would have been the biggest punk in the world. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> And shortly after that, we were like, okay, (laughs) I'm going to turn this off now because we need to go to sleep. (laughs) Man, I would have got my luggage ready. I would have been gone. (laughs) We only stayed in that hotel one night. We did not sleep good. Like, it was, I mean, it was extremely hot. And I'm the type, we're both the type of people that, like, it needs to be, like, frigid. when we're sleeping. Um, But, yeah, it was, it was really hot. And, like, the whole night, we just, so like we weren't alone basically you know <laughs> i do know <laughs> that's what i'm yeah. saying like i would yeah i would be a nervous wreck like i I don't know if i would have been able to sleep yeah and so another i guess experience that i've had um my mom whenever she first was married to her ex-husband uh we lived in like an older farmhouse and i don't really know much of the history behind that house um, but one night, I, I, okay, first to start off with, like, I was always freaked out to be left alone there. And sometimes I was like, sometimes like they would go out to dinner or something and I would be left alone. And I swear up and down, I would always hear extremely heavy footsteps in that house. Um, just like stomping around the kitchen and their bedroom and everything. So I would always like hide, you know, like in the living room or in my room and just not go out there. And um, one night, I actually had two separate encounters um, on two different nights. But one morning, I guess it was like super early in the morning, um, I had woken up and I like walked across my bedroom to go to my bookshelf and I was going to like try and find something to read just to like, you know, kind of chill out and relax. Um, When 
like I was at my bookshelf. I heard like my bed like creak, like a sudden like er, like you know how you like the box springs kind of like you know. I heard that behind me, like come. It sounded like somebody jumped onto my bed. Like that's what it sounded like. Like yeah, and I was and me. What else do I do? I run into my bed. Like I I run and like cover up. Like I run to where. <laughs> wherever it's happening <laughs> but it's just like yeah what else are you gonna do i guess but i was like so freaked out by that and then um another time i woke up like it just randomly out of nowhere and it was still like dark outside and um in the in that same house and i look over you know i'm kind of like you know waking up and i look over at the mirror and i see like a mist almost and it is in the shape of like like a like a humanoid I would describe it as so I saw like a head and then a body and it faded away into like nothing like I didn't see arms and I didn't see legs but I saw like a definite head and body <clears throat> and then I saw like where eyes would be I guess like there was just like kind of holes in the mist and then like two little like pinpricks of light where I guess like pupils would be if that makes any sense um yeah, and it, that to this day, that image, like, that scared the daylights out of me, and I flipped the light on so fast. Um, of course, like, nothing was there, but, like, to this day, I remember seeing that, and I feel that it was real. <laughs> and I actually, like, you know, years, some years after we lived in that house, I asked my mom, like, you know, did you ever notice anything kind of strange in that house? And she goes, yeah. She said that one night she woke up, like when we very first moved in <laughs> and she heard crying, loud crying, like almost like a baby crying coming from my bedroom. And she was like, oh, well, it must be Grace. She must be upset. Like, you know, we just moved into a new home. You know, I'm going to go check on her. She said that that crying was as clear as day and it got like louder and louder, you know, as she like walked closer and closer to my room. And then she said that like, once she got in there to check on me, it went away and I was dead asleep. And so I'm pretty convinced that there was a, definitely an entity or two or three or in four. that house. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. however many. And she even mentioned she was like, you, she, she was talking to me. She said, you were completely petrified in that house. She was like, you were very skittish, like you were very scared afraid in that house which i didn't know is that obvious but you know <laughs> so but given so given was... your history and being in that house i mean that's a lot to go through yeah so i just i don't know this is very interesting which luckily we only lived in that house for less than a year um her ex-husband ended up like getting a a different house which it was also an old farmhouse but it definitely didn't give like such terrible <laughs> vibes with it <laughs> yeah something definitely went but, down uh, at that house and yeah it was ooh. yeah but yeah and then um yeah and uh, i want to get the chance you know to do some more actual investigating um i actually want to invest in like a little bit better equipment um i found a website that kind of caters to um like ghost hunters and stuff like that and i definitely want to make a few purchases on there so <laughs> is it is it expensive to buy equipment or whatever resources is out there or is that something um, that is affordable it's 
okay, it's definitely going to be those things like you get what you pay for, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So um, it could just be a range just like anything else. It could be you yeah. have affordable options and then you have the high tier options. Yeah. So one of the, for example, one of the things that I'm looking at, um, uh, a piece of equipment that I'm getting is called an Ovulus 5. Um, it's uh, like a spirit box, basically, but it does like word. It's like something that spirits are able to communicate to, but it does like word display, like text to speech display. How much was so something that like that cost? That is, I think that's close to like $500. Okay. Last I looked at it. Got it. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's very, you know, you're going to have to drop a little bit of coin on it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's something that I really want to get. Like, I'm seriously I would tell you to in, drop the coin. <laughs> Definitely. If that's yeah. something that makes you happy and it sparks your interest, just do it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> Life is short. I mean, you so, could save money or whatnot, but if that brings you joy and excitement takes your mind off of stuff i would definitely do it if that was something like with the podcast equipment i dropped the coin because i wanted to just make sure if i was going to do it i was going to do it right so definitely i encourage right. you but you'll do you'll do what you you know in your best interest well yeah definitely and do i guess my yeah my last question like what should uh the audience take away from our conversation today um so many things <laughs> Uh, definitely like I know one question I do not think I answered for you earlier that I do want people to take away is like if you have a kid or somebody in your family that is showing signs of like obsessive compulsive disorder or depression or anxiety like please 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 pay attention to it um uh I encourage people to like make their home and you know if especially if they have kids, like I'm really focusing on children for this one. Like I really want parents to make their relationship with their children and their home as inviting and welcoming as possible. Like don't let your children be afraid to approach you. Um, You know, be that parent that will always follow through with what they say. Like don't discourage your kids from being who they are, you know, welcome any type of self-expression, you know, within reason, obviously, like, you know, you have to have some boundaries, but there's a difference between having boundaries and control, like, or like there's difference is difference between having boundaries and just being completely controlling. So welcome the self-expression, let them be who they are. If you do notice like signs of obsessive compulsive disorder, like, or depression, anxiety, help them learn to live, like, I hate to say this, but help them learn to live with it and to cope with it. Um, There's definitely like different routes to take with this. I've been personally, I've gone through years of therapy and it helps me a lot. Um, I can no longer afford to go to therapy the way that I had. Um, But definitely take advantage of like any school resources that are open to you. If you're going to a public school, Um, even take advantage of medications. Like I, I, it was on medication for a while too. Like it helped. And eventually with enough practice and enough listening and having a safe place to go when on your hardest days, like just take advantage of all that and give them a place to feel safe. Thank you, Grace, That's for coming I, on to the show. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much. 
follow us on social media UESNYS check out the website UESNYS.com give us a review on Apple Podcasts Spotify thank you for listening (laughs) 